this is probably going to take me two times. I had a bunch of notes, and I had to get rid of some of them. Uh, uh, and do it next week because there was just too much, and uh, I didn't think you'd want to sit here that long. Uh, I want to talk to you about why a virgin birth. And uh, this, how many like Christmas time? How many enjoy Christmas time? All right, some of you are not going to respond regardless of what I say. So, anyway, I think you do too. Uh, let me start here with Luke chapter one. Here is the biblical narrative of um, of what happened in the person Jesus Christ's birth. Luke one twenty six. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Now, now Mary was betrothed. Betrothment meant one year of, uh, of, um, of, of being engaged but not having sex and proving purity. So she was betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, uh, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his, of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, if you woke up as a young girl, 16-year-old girl drinking your cup of coffee, I bet you weren't thinking about that happening that day. Yeah. Then Mary said to the angel, I love her response, how can this be? Since I do not know of man, I've not been sexually intimate in my life. And the angel answered uh, and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now that statement right there is the very foundation of Christianity. If you don't believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, you cannot be a Christian. And there are a lot of voices today, dissenting voices, saying a lot about Christianity because, I mean, the truth is there are forces seeking to sanitize our nation and the world of any God influence whatsoever. How many hear me? And this is not a time to shut your mouth. This is a time to stand up and say what you believe in a loving, kind way. How many hear me? But it's really strong. So let's talk a little bit about the incarnation. It's actually a Latin word. Incarnate means in flesh. It's what it means, endowed with a human body to give bodily form to. That's what incarnate means, to be the type or embodiment of incarnation, a taking on of human form. Now, the incarnation is the belief that the second member of the Trinity, the Son, the Trinity is the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, preexisted in heaven and was sent by God to indwell a human body. Now, I don't know. I've, I've tried my, I've thought all the years I've known Jesus, I'm into my 46th year, 45 years and a few months of knowing Jesus, and boy, it boggles your brain to think about how, how that could happen, how Jesus could have preexisted in eternity past with God the Father, and perhaps even before, before God devised and planned the human race, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit sat down and had a meeting, said, we're going to create a race to know us, we're going to make them spirit beings so they can fellowship with us spiritually. We're going, to, we're going to cause them to inhabit a planet, planet 
and, 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 and the whole goal is that they can uh, occupy that planet, oversee it for us, and we can come down and just fellowship with them. They said, that's a great idea, let's do it. And they said, only one problem is, God the Father perhaps said, one problem is, we're going to give them a will because we don't want them to re- be automatons, machines, robots. We want them to love us because they want to, not because they have to. So we've got to do something that's a little bit tricky, a little bit testy. We have to put a test. We have to give them a test. We have to give them something else they could do other than love and obey and listen to us. We're going to give them a will. And I'm sure all three of them say it's going to be a real challenge. I wonder if they'll pass the test. And I, uh, perhaps Jesus the Son, uh, Revelation 13, 8, calls him the land, lamb slain from the foundations, the formation of the world. Perhaps he spoke up and said, Sir, to God the Father, Sir, listen, I, uh, I'm willing to sacrifice myself. I'm willing, if they do the wrong thing with that will that we give them, I'm willing, I'm willing to go down and inhabit a human body that we created for them to live in, and I'll live in it myself. I'll live within my creation, and I'll suffer every challenge, test, that they suffer, and I'll take their place, and I'll die for them. That's a big deal. How many hear what I'm saying? Now, that is very obscure to most people. Why in the world? Why is, why is Jesus more important than Buddha? Why is Jesus more important than Mohammed? Why is Jesus more important than all of the false gods? Because a lot of people today are saying all roads lead to heaven. In fact, the Pope of the Catholic Church, as I understand, they're planning to build a center for a world religion where all religions come under one, one building because all religions go to the same God. Now, friends, that's not what the Bible said. Jesus said it very clearly. John 14, 6, I am singular, the way. Singular, the truth. Singular, the the life. And then he was very clear. No one comes to the Father, that means Father God, except through me. John chapter 10, he said, I am the door. I'm the door into the sheepfold. You don't get in without going through me. I'm a door. I'm a door into the kingdom of heaven. There's a lot of people that don't agree with what I just said. And if you say what I just said, they get upset with you today because it seems to be utterly exclusive. And the truth is, it is. Without a virgin birth, we cannot go to heaven. Without a virgin birth, there can be no cleansing of sin. Now, to a lot of people, sin's not a big deal. So I'm gonna get to that probably next week. This week, we're gonna wander around a little bit and clear up some things. Is that all right? and deal with some things we need to. America is at a crossroads today. Uh, The crossroads is what are we going to do with Christianity and with Jesus Christ? We're at a crossroads, and it's challenging today. One thing I like about the month of uh, December is that we do celebrate Jesus' birth, and uh, we we celebrate and we're celebrated around the world. I mean, I've I've traveled to 17, 18 nations, and I've many times gone to India. I've been all over India in January. And, you know, whether you like their Christmas decorations, they do do it, and I appreciate that. Um, you can read a lot into that, but I won't go there. 
Now, you know, many people know that Jesus was not born in December, right? And that's kind of a given. And uh, so some people get upset that we celebrate Jesus' birth. We did it all wrong. Well, just get over it. I I just think you need, I mean, I just, you know. And now some people, because of the internet, then some people now, uh, they're starting to mention the pagan things that are associated with Christian, with Christmas. And... um, you know, such as, such as the Christmas trees. Don't you like our Christmas trees? Now, these need some help and some prayer, but these are pretty back here. And let me see. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 12 Christmas trees, 13 Christmas trees in the building. Now, some people say that the Christmas tree is an idol and it's worshiping a false pagan god because they read that on the internet. Okay, I'm just being really, and and then you got the folklore of Santa Claus and all the stuff that goes with Santa, right? And, you know, uh, whether you as a parent tell your kids about Santa Claus or not, that's your business, not mine. And uh, I have opinions about all that, but, you know, you do what you want to do. I just appreciate the fact that that Jesus' birth is celebrated. So um, I'm going to choose to celebrate Christmas. And I'm going to enjoy doing it. And we're going to have Christmas trees on our stage probably every year. Now, you know, you laugh, but you know, I've had people won't come to church the whole month of December. I'm not making that up. Because we got a Christmas tree up here and it's a pagan God. No, it's not. That's a tree. It's got lights on it. To me, those lights celebrate Jesus, the light of the world. I'm all right with that, Right? Now, if you're upset with me about that, you'll be upset with me about a lot of other things I'm about to say. So you better, you better get ready. Now, you know, again, uh, so for me, listen, uh, some people are, are aesthetic, ascetics. Asceticism, first century, and then all through the church age, you had the ascetics. The ascetics are the guys, the monks that wore black, they wouldn't wear any color because anything associated with the flesh was bad. And you're not to do anything to do anything for any appetite of the flesh. Well, I can appreciate subduing and conquering the flesh. My podcasts are about that this coming week. You ought to listen to that. But at the same time, I believe God wants us to enjoy life too. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have life abundantly. One translation says, life to the full, overflowing. I like that. So I'm just going to enjoy life. So the ascetics, asceticism, again, being overly strict, overly zealous spiritually, they won't allow themselves to enjoy anything. And then, let, me just, let me just give you a little, uh, little uh, opinion about it. You can take your belief system so far and be so ascetic and so religious-minded that people won't even talk to you. How many heard what I just said? Now, Susan and I have four children. Now we've got four children that are all married, and, and now they're starting to produce offspring. We've got eight grandchildren and hopefully a whole bunch more. But my kids, I always allowed them to enjoy Christmas. I think it's fine. We had a Christmas tree in our house. 
We give out gifts, celebrating the greatest gift that it could ever be given. I know it can be commercialized and exploited. I get all that. But, you know, let's just get real. You know, it's part of American culture, yes or no. And you can do your life in such a way that you present yourself that here's everybody else and they're just having fun. Here's you sucking your thumb. Wondering why everybody else is doing what they do. Well, just enjoy life. I said all that because the internet is full of all kinds of stuff today. How many hear what I'm saying? So I just need to mention that, cover that. I think personally this is a great time of year to connect with your family, connect with your friends, show some kindness and care to people. How many hear me? A lot, lots of people you don't see but once a year, and you may be glad about that, but you do need to see them, right? So, uh, you know, and so we're going to talk about the virgin birth because every belief system's challenged today. There's so much information out, so many things help, uh, uh, around. We need to be grounded in our beliefs and what we believe. And um, so let's talk about Jesus a little bit. Jesus' birth really did something to the world. Of course, you know that um, after he was born, um, we, we changed how we, we think about time and, and, and the world started um, annotating the years, the years with B.C. before Christ and then A.D. Anno Domini, which means in the year of our Lord, speaking of Jesus Christ. And now, see, all that's being sanitized in the textbooks and stuff, you know that. And instead of using A.D. or, or B.C. before Christ, uh, it's um, or or instead of using A.D., they use C.E. for common error, 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 might be an error, common error, or B.C.E. for before common error. So now it's common error, and then way back was before common error, and you see all that now. And see, those are, those are th- little subtle signs to all of us that the world seeking to sanitize everything of anything about God and his influence, and particularly his son Jesus. Um, we have some huge challenges in American culture. How many already knew that before I said it? Yeah. And as our culture moves away from its Christian roots, as it seems like we're going, Jesus has lost his place in speaking to the morals of our nation. How many hear what I just said? Now, you can look no farther as to how people dress right now. People dress so provocatively, men and women, that if you, you know, if you're a believer and you don't want the opposite sex to lust, then why are you wearing that? Because their eyes are going to look at that. Yes or no? Now, what does that tell you? Jesus has, uh, has lost his place in speaking to our morals. Yes or no? Everybody all right? Most people in our culture live together before marriage. Our young people are taught that sex is wonderful. It's a wonderful gift to God. Just have sex like animals have sex. I'm, I'm exploiting that a bit, I understand, but you get the idea here. We're becoming a sexualized culture. Because Jesus has lost his place in speaking to our morals. Lying is now commonplace in every facet of, of culture. Is that true or false? You know, it's very clear uh, a couple of times of Revelation 21 and Revelation 22. All li- it's very specific. All liars find their place in the lake of fire. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read stuff like that, even if you don't think the Bible's true and you a liar, the chances are you're going to feel some fire. 
Liars feel fire. I taught my children that, don't lie. And now we're talking about Jesus losing his ability to speak to the morals of our, of our nation. 2015, the, um, what was it, June 27th or so, uh, the Supreme Court of the United States declared same-sex marriage as equal to heterosexual marriage. Now, I wonder what the angels of heaven did. I wonder what God the Father thought. I wonder what Jesus sitting at his side thought when they declared that homosexual and lesbian marriage is equal to heterosexual marriage in America. Wonder what they thought about that. Wonder if that bring the great blessing of God to our culture. Wonder if they thought that would bring great family ties, ties that bind, bring people together. Wonder if they thought that would... Uh, just be something that would help children to be raised in a, in a, a good, wholesome, healthy environment. Just wonder. No, I, I don't think so. How many hear me? Then beyond that, there's 63 million babies that have had the privilege of being raised by the angels in heaven because they were aborted before they were born. Jeremiah, the prophet, was called before he was born. He was called in his mother's womb. Psalm 139 is very clear that every day of life for a human is planned by God before that child is born. That's not just, not just a few cells in the womb of a woman that's pregnant. That's a, that's a life. And we as Christians believe that conception, at conception, life begins. When sperm meets egg, there's a life. A spirit nature is formed. An eternal human that God created and we should respect and revere life. Yes or no? It's really odd that now, now the Supreme Court's trying to figure out if that's true or not. Well, the Bible's already said what it is. Let me just say, you're gonna have a real problem with God. Now, you might not like what I'm about to say. I personally think you're gonna have a real problem with God when you vote and you vote for people who believe in taking life. How can you, as a Christian, do that? It got quiet in this Baptist church. Look at that. I like Baptists too. Don't misunderstand me. Jesus has lost his ability to speak to our morals because people don't believe who... If you believe Jesus is who he says he is, it'll change you. So listen to this. If you say you're a believer and keep doing what you did before you were a believer and it doesn't change your morals, doesn't change your character, you really don't believe. You say you do, but you really don't believe because it changes who you are. How many hear me? Uh, so, happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, all that kind of stuff is going on, you know, uh, because, you know, the enemy's trying to sanitize Christmas of all things spiritual, right? Let's get real here. Belief in the Bible makes people uncomfortable. Belief in the Bible makes people in sin uncomfortable. Would you agree with that? And our culture is all about doing what we want, when we want, the way we want, as long as we want without you saying anything about it. Because if you do, you're judging. 
So anything that speaks of sin, personal responsibility, sanitize. That's, that's, what's, that's what's happening right now. And uh, then also we've got p- political correctness run amok in all kinds of ways right now. And I don't have time to exhaust that subject at all. But mass immigration from other countries, you know, it's just been a little over 100 years. Well, really, you know, with the advent of air travel because it was really hard to get from nation to nation by ship and boat. Big storms could waylay you for most of, most, of, most of history. So it was a real risk to travel. So people generally stayed in their same, sit, their same their village. Go read history, same village, knew the same people, you know, and they had their cultural traditions, their belief systems and such. But now multiculturalism is, uh, is, uh, is part of the modern era because of transportation, the ease of transportation, right? So, so now all of the nations are amalgamating together, blending together. And that means all kinds of belief systems are blending together. The good thing about the United States, the reason people uh, want to come here is because uh, we really are the last bastion of freedom worldwide. And here you can practice what you want to believe. So if you want to be a Buddhist, you can. If you want to be a Hindu, you can, right? If you want to be a Hasidic Jew, you can. If you want to be a Christian, you can, right? So we have freedom of religion. And up until now, we've had freedom of thought. But all that's being encroached upon. And you know why? It's because of what we failed to do with Jesus. We don't believe in him. And what it's creating is persecution and vilification of Christians, of believers that do believe in him. So for that reason, we need to know why the virgin birth is so important. I'll probably get to that next week. I've got a quote here that I've read several times from this pulpit over the last number of years. And this quote is from a man by the name of E.W. Kenyon, Essex W. Kenyon. He was from Washington State. Uh, I have uh, most all of his books. He died in 1948, so that dates him. Um, but he has some really spiritual literature that I really like to read. This one was probably, um, probably written, obviously, before he died, probably in the 20s, 30s. So the language is a little different than today. Um, it was published in 1964 by his family. The name of this book is The Wonderful Name of Jesus. And by, by E.W. Kenyon, and I want to read a quote from pages 13 and 14 of that book. I've had that book in my library since the late 1970s and have read it many times. But I like his quote about Jesus and his virgin, uh, and his virgin birth. And it says here, quote, the deity of the man of Galilee is the crux, a crux, C-R-U-X, is the foundation of something, is the foundation of Christianity. If this can be successfully challenged, then Christianity has lost its heart and it will cease to function. It will become a dead religion. There is no denial that the challenge of his deity has, always, has already had its reactionary effect upon society. And this is probably in the 30s. If Jesus is not deity, he is not Lord. If he is not Lord, then he cannot interfere with our moral activities. And so what I said stands if Jesus doesn't affect how you live your life morally, you don't, you don't believe in him. If he is not Lord, then the laws that have been founded upon his teaching have lost their force. The morals that surround marriage with his lofty ideals have no basis of fact. If Jesus, that, that's the reason homosexuality is rampant. That's the reason for transgenderism and 
and bi-gender, trans, bi, and there's, I don't know how many designations they're trying to put down the throats of our children in school, which you ought to resist as a parent and a grandparent and go to the PTA meetings and say, I'm not going to have it and fire the people that are on the school boards that are advocating this. If you don't, I'm just going to say hell will land in a worse way in America than you've ever seen, and your children will become completely corrupted. How many hear me? And so if I were you, I wouldn't even put my child in a public school, bring them to ours, or something like that, or homeschool, right? I'm not going to send my child to a hell hole. What else are you going to call it? Why can't we speak plainly today? Uh, isn't that truth? I know, see, this is not popular. I'm sure Facebook is not liking what I'm saying right now. But I'm about ready to cut Facebook off anyway. If Jesus is not a revel of Nazareth, is not a revelation from God with the divine authorities, but a man. If he's but a man, all that we have built all around him must be destroyed. And we have built around this man, our modern civilization. That is a true statement, y'all. Now, our forefathers said that um, our constitution is only for a moral people. It's totally inadequate for any other kind of person. If you don't have a moral compass, our constitution doesn't work. And that's the reason our nation is in the state it's in right now. How many heard what I said? There's nobody going to rescue America from where we're going right now unless we have a, a, a genuine revival from heaven. Yes or no? He has been the inspiration of young men. They have kept themselves clean and pure as they have looked upon his wonderful life and sought to win his smile. Young women, and this is again written in the 30s, young women in the secret of their chamber have looked upon the face of the man of Galilee and have pledged to preserve the purity of the womanhood, of their womanhood, that they might be found worthy of the love and confidence of the man who died 2,000 years ago for humanity. Children have been incited to obedience and purity by the example and teaching of this man. Businessmen have been deterred from crooked dealings by the consciousness that one day they would meet the man and give account of the deeds done in their office. Men of all walks of life have felt a strange kinship with this man who walked the shores of Galilee solitary among a multitude. To say he was but a good man is an insult. To say he was the high expression of deity and humanity is to throw up the lie in his face. Jesus is or he is not what he said he was. We have no record of his sayings nor of his doings outside of the full gospels. And if we repudiate them, we have them but a mythical picture of the man. If we challenge one of them, we have a right to challenge all of them. Either he stands or falls on these four biographical sketches, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If he's not the son of God, who is he? And then he goes on to say, Mr. Kenyon, I want to believe he's an incarnation. I want to believe he dealt with the sin problem. I want to believe that he died for my sins and that he arose again for my justification. I want to believe that he is seated at the right hand of God today as the intercessor and mediator of the human race. I want to believe that what he said about heaven is true. In my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Skepticism holds no guarantee for my future. Civilization has not only been builded around this man, 
but he has been builded into civilization. It's talking about Western civilization as we know it in America. If you destroy his character, his standing, his place, then civilization must disintegrate. The wave of crime and lawlessness, and again, this is back in the 30s, my goodness. The wave of crime and lawlessness that is sweeping over the land is but a byproduct of the modernist's challenge of his integrity. So, wow. So that's why, to me, the virgin birth, the Christmas is an awesome time for me. Because it's, it's, it's the one time of the year the whole world, regardless of how they do it and what their emphasis is, they pause and acknowledge the birth of Christ. I think that's a big deal worldwide, right? I was uh, on a long bike ride here this weekend. And, um, you know, I was listening, actually listening to the book of John. And, um, and you know, something struck me really strong. And what struck me was how, I don't know, the, how um, caring and compassionate and kind Jesus was to people. In fact, it made me weep as I was riding and pedaling that bike and sweating. I was thinking, man, this is more than I, I almost had to stop. You know, John 3, 16, and I don't have this in my notes, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not, listen, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus didn't come to condemn you. He came to help you. And like a flash, five things came to my mind. I mean, I was listening to some of them in my earbuds as I was riding. The only people that Jesus condemned were religious people. Hypocritically religious people who were out to line their pockets and bless themselves. See, Jesus, when he approached people, he just wanted to help them. And, and you know, what came, first thing came was, uh, even though I was listening to John, I thought about Matthew, the tax collector. Tax collectors were completely despised in Jesus' day because they stole the people's money. The Roman government said, here's the tax percentage that you take from this family, but they would add several percentages to it and then take the overage and put it in their pocket so that they had the largest house in town, the biggest horse in town, the nice, nicest carriage in town, you get it? The nicest clothes and everybody despised them. But Jesus, when he came to Matthew, he said, I want you to follow me. Can you see the snooty, the snooty faces of the hypocritical religious when Jesus said, Matthew, come in. I want you to come and follow me. Well, who are you think you are, Jesus? Thought you said you the son of God. He was. He loved people where they're at. Do you get that? I don't know. It really, it really great. And he became one of the 12. Wow. And, and then, you know, here I am listening to the book of John. Here's John 4, the woman at the well. And she was a Samaritan in the, I mean, <laughs> talk about prejudice. It was run amok. The Jews had nothing. They wouldn't even walk on the same side of the street with a, with a Samaritan. But Jesus came up to this woman. She's at a well. He's thirsty. And he just said, would you give me a drink of water? And she knew the way he was dressed. He was a Jew. She said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're a Jew and you're asking me a Samaritan for a drink of water? And you know what he said. He said, well, you know what? If you'd asked me, I could give you some water that you'd never thirst again. 
he entered into conversation with her, find out, Jesus found out, uh, you know, that she wasn't married. She was living with a man. She wasn't married. And that she had been married five times. But he loved her in her sin. Wow. Loved her enough to talk to her. No, loved her enough to influence her. Loved her so much that when she went and told her family, man, let me come and let, me t- meet, let you meet a man that told me everything I've ever done. Man, whoo. Then I came to John 8 as I was listening. Here's a, here's a woman that the snooty religious people found in a tent having sex with a man and she was married to another man. She was committing adultery. They jerked her out of the tent, threw her on the ground. And then Jesus comes by and said, what's she doing on the ground? They say, she's committing adultery. You find her in the act. And she's hiding her face in shame. Then all Jesus said, you wrote on the ground. And then he said, you know, those that have never sinned, throw the first rock. They will stone her. One at a time, you could hear the rocks hitting the ground. Poom, 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 poom. And there go the people. And there's nobody left. They're ashamed of themselves. And then Jesus looked at her and said, woman, where are your accusers? Jesus didn't even accuse her. Now, did that make her right? Would, he, would she have gone to heaven? No. The idea was he loved her where she was. He didn't condemn her. He wanted to help her, right? And he said, I don't condemn you either. Go and then don't sin anymore. Stop committing adultery. Stop doing what you're doing. He loved her. Isn't that awesome? And then it struck me that Peter, of all of the 11 apostles left, Peter's the one the Holy Ghost came on on the day of Pentecost. And Peter's the only one that publicly denied Jesus. What do you do with that? I mean, if I was Jesus, I would not pick Peter. I'd pick one of these other guys like John, you know, because, you know. No, he said, I'm going to do it with Peter. I want, I want the Holy Ghost to come on Peter. Why? Because Jesus loves people. You know what? He loves you. And, and then the last thing I thought about was Judas. I mean, you know, nobody in their right mind is going to pick Judas. You think. So was Jesus in his right mind when he picked Jesus? Judas? Obviously. Did he know that Judas was a thief? In fact, he, Jesus didn't take some of these courses on leadership that we got. Because they would have obviously said, you don't put a thief in charge of the money bag. Why do you think he did it? test because he believed in people you know I've made some really lousy choices in my life and you know why because I believed in people same lead with Jesus he believed in Judas picked him to be on his team think about it let me ask you a question if Jesus could come up to you today and he could have a conversation with you, what would he say? What do you think he'd think about you? Maybe you're not living right. Maybe right now, you know, you're sitting right here. You have a desire to, but listen, everything's not square in life right yet. What would he say to you? 
Would he love you? Even if you're wrong, would he love you? Would you obey him? He came to you like he came to Matthew. Just follow me. Follow him? That means you got to leave what you're doing. How many hear me? You got to give up your right to do what you're doing. Would you obey him? That's what he's asking for today. You can come up to the thing. I, I feel the Spirit of God working in Christians' lives now. A lot of the believers are involved in the very same things that the people we need to reach are involved in. Right? And I can feel the Spirit of God saying, clean it up. Jesus doesn't have a judgmental attitude. At the same time, we're going to stand before him and be judged one day for every idle word we speak. Wow. That's a shocker. And now you're thinking, what did I, what did I say? What did I didn't say? That's a shocker, isn't it? You see, he loves us. All these people I mentioned, Matthew, that woman at the well, that woman in adultery, Peter. Jesus gave him a chance. See, that's what Christmas is about. I mean, he gives you a chance. I love you. Some people think, well, if I got to walk with God, I got to quit. No, 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 no. You don't have to quit. You come to Jesus and he cleans you up. I know it sounds funny. Could Jesus be the most non-judgmental person in the whole Bible? At the same time, the one that requires the most? Because he said to his disciples, you know, if you want to follow me, you got to take up your cross. And they didn't, crosses were associated with criminals, the basest of criminals. A Roman cross was an awful, diabolical way to die. Hanging up naked before everybody while the birds are picking at your skin. You die of a fixation, you can't breathe horrible that's what he said to his disciples he's the freest but he loves them he loves me he loves you at the same time he says you know what I want you to bear your cross I want you to give yourself to me isn't that something I wonder what America is going to do what's going to happen with our nation do you care if you're older you know what I know what you're thinking I didn't live my life I made my money I got my retirement. My kids are grown. I paid my dues. I got my grandkids. You are a selfish rascal. Yeah, maybe. I hope not. I mean, really. If our nation doesn't change, your children, my children are in there now. They're in their 30s and now late 30s. Makes me feel young. Then all my grandkids are pretty young, but um, unless our nation changes, they won't have a they won't have the quality of life that we've had. 
Yes or no? Now, if you're a younger person, you say, well, my goodness, you're not giving me any hope. No, what I'm saying is you need to pray. I hope I'm stoking a fire to pray. Because without God, the freedoms that we have enjoyed are gone. Did you know that? The enemy has infiltrated us from within. And now every level of government and every level of culture is corrupted with lies and deception. That's where we're living. And in the middle of that, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is that awesome? So we bear a huge responsibility. So you may be sitting here and say, well, I'm imperfect. Well, me too. Jesus just wants you to walk with him. And he will love you where you are. And if you'll cry out and say, God, I got a bunch of mess in me. He may say something like, well, you're part of the human race. And they have corrupted hearts. But I have an ingenious, genius way to clean the heart. My blood cleanses the heart. Wow. Get something out of there?